Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Uh, we're really excited today. I Today's a little different. We're going to do something different we've ever done really in the history of our church. And uh, I think you all know that we're in a, an interesting season in our city. Uh, there's been a lot of things happening in our city after the verdict uh, that the DA came out with from the Stephon Clark shooting. And uh, so in, at a, in this time in our city, uh, there's a lot of tension, right? And, uh, and there's a lot of frustration. There's marches, ha- marches happening. There's protests happening. There's a lot of talk of police brutality, of racism. And so I just started thinking a couple weeks back, and I was actually, Christy and I were having a conversation with Lauren and Rochelle Dittmore. Lauren's up here. And we just started talking about, man, what can we do for our church to better help us engage in this conversation? And really even as a church to know how to respond. Because here's the reality. Uh, I think that as Christians, a lot of us in this time in our city with what's happening, we we have a different range of emotions. Some of us are upset at the verdict. Some of us are okay with it. Some of us, and I think the majority of us, actually don't know what to think or what to say or what to do. And so what we do is we actually just are silent because that seems easier. And I'll tell you that it's been, there's been times in my life when, it, when it's been around situations like this where I've just been silent because I knew if I say anything uh, that I was going to get attacked. In fact, I posted right after the verdict came out something that I felt like was pretty moderate and I had people get mad at me. Um, I had people calling me and texting me and posting on my Facebook and I was like, oh my goodness, I thought I was like pretty moderate in the middle there. And uh, I got attacked like immediately. And so that's just how it is at this time in our city, at this time even in our nation. And so what I thought would be cool was in this time would be that we had a, a panel a panel of community leaders, of individuals who have a voice and have a unique insight even into what we're experiencing today. And so what we're going to do and what I want to do is I want to introduce these individuals and I'm going to pose some questions to them. And then I think we're going to have a great conversation about race, reconciliation, about unity in our city in this time and even how we respond in this time. And so today, listen, um, today is going to, I think, make us a little uncomfortable, and that's good. I think it's good that in the church that we have hard conversations, because I think it would have been really easy for me to get up here and be like, oh, we're in a series on Mark. Um, I'm just going to teach on this passage of Scripture in Mark, which I would have been teaching today on uh, when Jesus casted out some demons and, uh, and then moved on and maybe mentioned this real quick. But I think we would have been missing a great opportunity And a lot of people have been asking me, like, what are we doing? Other churches are asking me. Other pastors are asking me. And I said, don't worry. It'll be online for you. And so this is going to be something that I think you could even post, you could share, uh, something that you could also reference for people in your life that maybe are having questions and and say, hey, you should watch this. I think it'll, it'll help you. It'll help us. And so as Christians, I believe, first and foremost, I want to read a verse to start this out. Um, I believe that we're rebuilders. I believe we're bridge builders. And one thing I say all the time is at our church is if we're going to be a bridge to the broken, we have to be willing to be walked on at times. And, uh, and I think that's something that we're uncomfortable with. We're like, oh, I want to be a bridge to the hurting and the broken, but on my terms. 
right? I, I want to do it, but I still want to be comfortable. And so uh, I want to read this verse in Isaiah 61.4. It says this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And I believe that we as the church, I believe we have Project Church, as Project Church, have been positioned perfectly for a time such as this to be rebuilders of ruins. That we would see cities that have long been devastated come back. And I think that's what's happening even in us being in old Sacramento. God has brought us here for a specific time, a unique mission, and I believe he's calling us to be rebuilders. And so we have some people here who I believe are bridge builders in our community, in our church, in our city. And so this is a great opportunity for us to have this conversation. And so here's what I want to do um, real quick. Before I introduce them, I want you all to stand to your feet, all right? Stand up. I'm just going to warm you up for a second. Do five jumping jacks. Ready? Go. Five jumping jacks. Go. Because I can tell you're cold. And I want you to get the blood flowing. Okay, you can sit down. Also, I wanted to break the tension that you all were feeling. So you got a little blood flowing. Now you're ready to sit and listen for the next 30 minutes, right? Okay, this is going to be great. I'm really excited. So I want to introduce these amazing panel members. So I'll just go from closest to me down, down the, the panel. So first we have, this is Lauren Dittmore. And uh, Lauren Dittmore, you all saw him and you've seen him. He leads worship here at our church for us from time to time. He is a committed husband, loving father, creative and builder. He served as a youth probation chaplain, worship leader, youth pastor in the local church, as well as a youth mentor to young people in marginalized communities since 1992. In 2012, Lauren and his wife Rochelle co-founded City of Refuge Sacramento in Oak Park. And they have a passion to create a place where people could belong, find hope, and restoration. So for the last seven years, Seed of Refuge has served thousands of children, vulnerable youth, provided rehabilitation, housing for exploited women, and is on a mission to rebuild the community in a way that brings people home. So you guys know a lot about Lauren, but that's Lauren Dittmore from City of Refuge. Oh, you guys look so good up there. She's cute. Next, next we have Sergio Robles. So Sergio... Uh, actually attends our church as well. Sergio, ooh, Daniel, now I know your middle name. Sergio Daniel Robles is currently a field representative with the House, U.S. House of Representatives and a community organizer in South Sacramento. So he was born in Texas, raised in Minnesota, but spent his formative years here in Sacramento. Come on, somebody. Sergio calls Sacramento home. He first decided to choose public service during his senior year of high school when he noticed, noticed the difference to how the people of South Sacramento were being served. So he grew up believing in America's land of opportunity and uh, attended, he holds a BA in political science from Cal State University, Northridge, and is currently at, in grad school at McGeorge Law School. So he has a variety of values. And just so you know, because he, he does work for a U.S. Um, senator or House of Representatives, and he's representing himself and not that House of Representative individual, okay? So he wanted to make that known. So all his opinions are his own, okay? Thank you for telling us that. So next we have Felicia Allen. Felicia, we're so glad you're here with us. So Felicia, friends with Lauren and Rochelle Dittmore. And so I, I just got to meet her this morning. 
But Felicia was the first woman sworn into the Sacramento Police Department ever. Whoa, whoa, yes. Yes, so International Women's Day was on Friday. Um, And this was in 1974. So she broke barriers, paving a way for not just women of color, but women in general in Sacramento. And so she, she actually has an entire room named after her at, where, City Hall or at? The police station. And uh, has had a voice in our community for many years, continues to be a bridge builder in our community, and uh, really is a, has been in our community for, for decades. And so thank you for your voice. Thank you for being here. I know you're like, who is this guy and what's his church? Okay, Lauren <laughs> and Rochelle, I'll trust you and I'll come. So, Felicia, thank you so much for being here. Come on, give it up for Felicia. And then last but not least is Anthony Manuel, a friend of mine. And uh, Anthony is the director of baseball operations for the Jerry Manuel Foundation, which targets young African-American men through baseball. So they've partnered with Alpha Charter, which they've turned into a school. It is a middle and high school that he is running. So he's also also works for Major League Baseball as a Northwest Regional Coordinator for RBI, which is reviving baseball in the inner city. Um, involved heavily in the MLB's youth development program, in which the initiative is to get more African American young men back playing the game of bat- baseball. And he travels around the country training hundreds of kids every single year. So this is Jerry or Anthony Manuel. So. These four are going to be our panel today. Um, so excited to have each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being willing to, to share with us. And uh, I'm really excited. And these are people that, that I think have a voice that we need to listen to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to post some questions. I might throw some at them individually. But I'm also going to probably just throw some out there. And so you guys feel free to go chime in. If you want to add to what someone has said, like, no problem at all. So I want to start with a more spiritual one. That I think this is all spiritual. But I want to start with, what do you think it means to be unified in Christ? And I know you, you all represent, so we have, you know, Lauren, you're white. And then we have a Latino here, a couple of African Americans. So, so what does it mean to be, to be unified in Christ as people of different races and backgrounds? This is your field, but let me just say that unified in Christ means that we don't see color, that we are a diverse community, and we all believe in one God, one Jesus Christ, and that's what brings us together. There is no color line. Agreed. It's great. I I would also like to add really quick, obviously, what the word says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So it's very important that we keep that at the forefront. Yeah, love that. That's a great way to start, guys. Thank you. Um, So I want to, I mean, we're going to dive into some conversations of race, of reconciliation, of unity. And uh, I think that as it relates to marginalized communities, and police officers, why do you think there's such a big divide? And I, Anthony, I'd like you to talk about maybe some of your experiences, too, that you've had, even with the police as a person of color. Yeah, you know, on, 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 
unfortunately, this uh, question does pertain. Um, I've had a few instances. Uh, I'm 36 years old. Um, when I was 18 years old, I came from Chicago, uh, where I went to high school, to come to Sac State to play baseball um, on a baseball scholarship. My uh, my mother's my mother's parents lived in um, Roseville in Sun City, and I remember one Sunday I was driving from from the campus at Sac State uh, out to see see my grandma, and um, I think I was on like Sunrise or something like that, and I was in a kind of a, a big nice vehicle uh, with out of state license plates. Um, I got I got pulled over. The lights went off, but I was in the I was in the left lane, there was two lanes, and there was also cross, and obviously you're supposed to go to the right, but I got pulled over when I was in the left. So I, at this time, I'm, I'm young, I, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out, I don't know what to do, I know which way I'm supposed to go, so I kind of like stopped, and then there kept, the cars kept going along the right side, so then I turned into a, uh, a shopping center, and uh, by the time I got into the shopping center, there was, there was three police cars, um, that were that were behind me. One got in front of me. Immediately, they they started, uh, you know, screaming for me to get put my hands up, get out of the vehicle, whatever. Next thing I knew, there was there was guns drawn to my head, um, and I remember being, you know, afraid for my life right then and there at, uh, at 18 years old. Not, I had no idea what was going on, um, but there were there were three guns, you know, within inches of my of my skull and um, you know, so obviously the, the situation, um, I'm, I'm, I'm here today by the grace of God, but uh, you know, it, 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 was, it was a thing where my parents, you know, who were in Chicago at the time had to fly out here to uh, come speak to the officers or whatever it may be. And um, the officer was on vacation uh, when they got here. So we were never really able to uh, you know, get closure on that, um, and there and there's also been, um, and like I said, this is unfortunate because I'm not one that's, you know, it's all bad all the time. All you know, these these things actually have happened. Um, I was in Chicago uh, again, uh, got pulled over. I was going to Blockbuster to get a movie, and I, I was a baseball player, so I had some wood bats in the back seat of my car. Um, so they automatically assumed I was a part of. Uh, Gangster Disciples or some gang in Chicago took them out, confiscated them. I tried to tell them I played baseball. They told me, yeah, right, you know, whatever. And it was just a very, you know, kind of a, just a, a sad experience. But I do feel as if there is some things that are changing, and I'm going to continue to stay positive and see the positive in what's going on. Um, but, you know, that is a, those are a couple of experiences that I've had, Caleb. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that, like, as a, for me, as a white person, like, I have never had any, any encounters with police, even when I've done things I maybe shouldn't have done <laughs> when I was younger, where it escalated to that point. So, so to say that, that that's something that doesn't happen, because I've heard people say, oh, that doesn't happen. I think that we all could agree and, and understand that, yeah, it does happen, and you can be treated different based on your skin color. And I think that we need to recognize that and acknowledge that and, and say that that's the reality of what many people of color experience. 
And, and that's why they feel the way they do about police. But I don't know, Felicia, you're gonna add something, go ahead. Yeah, I do wanna add because that happens more often than you think. And we have a saying in the black community, I know you've heard it, driving while black. So when you're down, driving down the road, you make sure everything is just right so that there is no reason to be stopped. And then when you are stopped, this is the way I grew up thinking. And so I never wanted to be a police officer. You can just imagine uh, when you're driving down the road, you make sure your hands are visible, you're not reaching for anything. Um, because it's, it's a, it has been a well-known fact in the minority community, Hispanics to uh, Asians, that you are targeted if you're a person of color. And uh, unfortunately, there are still a lot of um, bad police officers across the country. There are still. Um, probably not as big a percentage as there were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, but, but they're still out there. And how do you change that? The real, the real dialogue should be how you change that. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things I see that is a very, very important is getting more diversity in law enforcement, getting more people of color, more women, more, uh, more Hispanics, more blacks, more Asians, more people of color in actually in the system because then you have a, a way of effecting change. You have a way of preventing. I know when I came on the police department in 1974, it was a complete shock. It was a shock to me. I did not <laughs> want to be a police officer. It wasn't anything I set out to do. I wanted to just be a community service officer, work part-time, and finish school, get my degree and be a probation officer. But as it turned out, they hired me to be a police officer, uh, myself and Flossie Crump. They pretty much snuck us in. They did not know until six months before that they had actually hired women. Uh, we were the first two women on patrol. We happened to both be black, and it was a total culture shock. But because of us, there are now 77 women on the department. There are now more blacks, there are now more Asians, there are now more uh, Hispanics because we made it through. And because we made it through, there's a big shift in um, how people are treated. I know there were many times when I was um, with a partner who was just flat out racist who would say, Oh, we're going to stop them for no reason at all, no reason whatsoever to stop them. And I know that things would have been handled differently had I not been in the car when that mm. stop was affected. Because there was a time when, um, when you got stopped, you also got beat down. So things have been changing, and a lot of that change comes from having more diversity in the department itself. If you, wanna, if you wanna see things change, you have to be part of that change. You have to get in there, you have to be a part of it um, to just to prevent things from happening, bad things from happening, and to encourage better things to happen. That's great, thank you. So, Our city, I, I think many people would say, like, it feels like our city is currently divided. Um, you know, there's an us versus them mentality, even at times. Um, 
when it comes to race, when it comes to even police, us versus them. And so I think in this time, in this season, in our city and uh, with the environment that we're experiencing, how can we as a church and body of Christ be a conduit, a conduit of hope and reconciliation, would you guys say? Go ahead, Sergio. So that's, that's a great question. Um, I actually gave you that question, so that's a really good question. You should so, be ready for it then. <laughs> so I personally believe that we are the body of Christ, right? Um, whether it's an Anglo church, whether it's an African-American church, whether it's an Asian church, Hispanic, Latino, whichever church it is, we are the body of Christ. And I think that we are, um, I'm going to kind of take this from Pastor Samuel Rodriguez where he talks about we are the lamb's agenda where it's vertical but horizontal too, Right. So we're in connection with God, but we're also in connection with community. Uh, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. If we are in the body of Christ, we too must be with our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Now, we might not always agree with our brothers and sisters. We might not always agree with the protests. We might not always agree why what's going on. But it's about being there with them. Um, the city is divided, and it's, uh, we're in a, in a state where it's kind of, we need to just dive into who Jesus is. We need to show love. We need to be in rooted in who he is, what the gospel is telling us, uh, not about them and us, right? Yeah. Uh, I was listening to a Capitol radio show with um, Beth Rudiak, and the mayor was speaking. The last thing she asked him was like, we got 50 seconds. I want to know what's the thing that we need to do right now as a city. And he responded, we need healing. This is a mayor. He said, we need healing. Uh, and I would take that and I would be like, all right, what are we as a church going to do? How are we as a church going to heal? How are we as a church going to heal the community? We often look to government to solve our issues, but then we don't want them to be in the church, right? We don't want them to be in our lives. But it's time for Mm. us as Christians to start stepping up and being with one another and kind of creating that change. And uh, I'll let someone else. No, I I agree wholeheartedly. And just to continue where you're going, I think think the reality, and Pastor Caleb, you said this too, is that a lot of times on these controversial things, um, there... I love the way Martin Luther King called it. He's called it the um, silent, uh, what, what is it, moderate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in America, a lot of, a lot of you know, people that look like me, I'm a 43-year-old, almost 44-year-old white guy, and, and a lot of people that look like me that may not have grown up driving while black where your mom and dad tell you, hey, keep your hands on 10 and 2 when the cop pulls up. I mean, there's like a script that, that these kids that we work with that they're, you know, you're, you're grown up with, that you're born with, like there is a difference that you're treated. And, and, and not growing up with that reality, it's really easy to sit in our comfort because we didn't experience some of the same things and just become silent because we don't want to push an envelope, because we don't want to ruffle somebody's feathers. And I want to like thank you for having the courage to stand up and, and possibly ruffle some feathers, but create a conversation where we as a church can say, how do we step into this? Because as long as we stay silent, and it's not about joining a protest, it's not, and, and if you want to do that, that's fine, but, that, but it's about being the embodiment of Jesus Christ in our world. And, mm-hmm. and we hear this like separation of church and state. And where that came from is that we didn't want the state to say to the church, you know, this is how you have to be. But we've separated ourselves and separated our politics from who we are. And, and we're so afraid to jump into those arenas because we don't want to, you know, get into that. And it's time for the people of God to stand up and say, you know what, this is who I am. I am a peacemaker. I'm a bridge builder. I'm going to sit. I may not 
not understand you. I may not have the same experience, but I'm going to be with you in the middle. And I, one of my favorite guys that I just, I, I try to em, amplify my life after is this guy named Father Greg Boyle. And he's, he's been serving, um, yeah, he's been serving gang members in, in LA for a long, long time. And he says, the only way that we erase marginalization is by standing with people that are marginalized. Mm-hmm. And we have to be okay to get in places that we feel uncomfortable with. And so as a white guy to other white folks in this audience, like we've got to get out of our comfort zones. We've got to get out of, you know, the unknown and just go, okay, I may not understand you, but I'm going to stand with you. And I think that's how we can begin to see healing, how we can begin to see change because we don't just see each other on political lines or race lines, but we see each other just like that last song that we, we have the same blood. Our, all of our blood runs red. And I think that's the beginning of where real, real, real quick, Lauren, I got that quote for you you're talking about uh, martin luther king in the end we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends yeah that's good yeah i know i was listening to uh billy graham he was talking about uh during the civil rights you know movement and he said it was one of his greatest regrets he, he's like i don't have really any regrets but my one of my greatest regrets is that i didn't march with martin luther king jr you know, I stayed silent because I was pastoring a predominantly white church, and a lot of them were uncomfortable with the civil rights movement and what was happening. And he said, my greatest regret is that I was silent during that time. I didn't stand with them. And I, I think that we all can agree, like, we want to stand with our brothers and sisters, especially those that feel marginalized, that feel like they're treated differently. And uh, whether we understand that experience or not... Um, I want to be a person that just listens. And so a couple weeks ago, Lauren and Rochelle were like, you need to come to this meeting. And so I went with them, and it was a meeting with community leaders um, from all around the area. Uh, the mayor was there, uh, police chief Daniel Hahn was there, and, and then a few different pastors were there. And uh, it was a room predominantly of African Americans, and there was a few of us that were white. But I just sat there, and I just wanted to listen. And the, the aunt of Stefan Clark came in and she gave, uh, it was a meeting where we were talking about the march we were gonna, that, that was going to happen and uh, it was going to be a peaceful march. And then she got in there and she went crazy and was like yelling in the room. And I was like, no, I need to hear this, um, even though I was uncomfortable for a minute, you know, but I was glad to be in a space to hear what other people are experiencing. And I think it's real easy to get, to get stuck in our bubbles Right? I don't know about you, but I, I'm comfortable in my bubble. Like, I like my bubble, and, uh, and I don't like to venture out of it because I know, I know this. But, uh, but going outside and being in rooms and standing with my brothers and sisters who have a different experience than me, it's actually helping me to understand more. And, and I think we all know, like, we wanted a police officer up here because we want you all to know, like, we're not anti-police by any means at Project Church. What we are is pro-life. And, uh, and that's for the unborn, and then also for those who are living. And I think in the church, and especially evangelical Christianity, we're, we're very, like, pro-life, and, uh, and, and we'll fight against abortion, but then when it comes to standing with our brothers and sisters that feel marginalized and feel attacked and feel like they're dying, um, we're like, we don't want to hear that. And so I think that we need to be for life in all areas and all aspects uh, of our community. And if I can add, there's yeah. many forms of engagement. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you have to protest, right? Uh, I'm sure that in this room there's someone here who works with people of influence. Um, you, it's in that conversation that you're having 
with someone that you're like, look, this is what's really happening. This is what's going on. Uh, that's a form of engagement. Another form of engagement is when you're uh, at least making it aware of what's happening. Just the fact that you're putting yourself out there and real, like, and expressing that, that's kind of what we should be doing as Christians. I mean, for my opinion. My opinion. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like all of these you know, events that are happening, these are opportunities for us to unify, uh, you know, to come together. So God is doing something great, I feel, with these, um, you know, everything that's happening, all these different experiences, because, like I said, it's just a beautiful opportunity for us to come together and grow as one. I'd like to add, uh, I feel like the community is turning into a, a us against them, the community against the police. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the unfortunate thing with what's happening right now because the bulk of people who go into law enforcement go into law enforcement with the intent of helping other people with the idea of community service. There are bad apples in every barrel, in every job along, around the world. Yeah. And unfortunately... And, and there are mistakes made in every job around the world. Unfortunately, in law enforcement, if a mistake is made, it could be fatal, and mm-hmm. it could be, have dramatic results like we're seeing right now. However, I don't think that should be an opportunity to uh, bash the police, to say we don't need them, we don't want them in our communities, because you do need them, and you do want them in your communities. Because yeah. I've been in communities that underserved. Uh, where you don't see them, where they don't show up. When I uh, was a young officer and worked the Oak Park area, my partners would say to me, why are you out there? Why do you stay out there in the community? You're not going to get any cover if you need help because we don't go out there. And, and it was true. I mean, I knew that I was out there because these, this was my community. I felt comfort and safe, and I felt like I belonged there, and I was there to protect and serve that's what our job was. And um, the older officers that had been, you know, around for a while, they felt like, no, we don't want to be out there. There's too much, there's too much going on. Where that attitude over the years has changed, there is a lot more community involvement, and in a positive way. And what I uh, really uh, regret is that the positive things that are going on in law enforcement with, with the police and the community they don't get the same attention that the protests get, that the, uh, the walkouts, the, the dissension, the anger. It's unfortunate because instead of trying to bring the community together, build love, promote love, that's what the churches should be doing, promote love, bring people together. The uh, hate that is surrounding our community, it just seems to be rising to the surface. And the protests that are going on all around the city, are they bringing us together or are they tearing us apart? Are they bringing the city and the community, the police department and the community together? Or are they separating the community and the police department? Because the police are here to serve the community. The community needs to have the police there. They need to... to make their voice clear, this is what we need of you, and um, are, is that happening? Is the, are the protests creating that environment? Yeah, and I, I do love, like, 
What happened yesterday was several community leaders, several churches came together and they had a prayer meeting on the steps of the Capitol. And it was uh, a prayer uh, stance, you know, that we would pray for Sacramento. And I saw this like unifying factor or moment because I saw pastors of all different races, all different churches coming together and praying for our city praying for unity in a time when it feels like we're very divided. Um, and it does feel like, like you're just saying, Felicia, that um, are, we, are we causing more of a divide between us and the police? And I, I mean, you can speak to this because you probably speak to police officers all the time. I'm guessing being a police officer today feels very different even than it did 10 years ago. It's, it's, very, it's very different. And if the community should see the improvement, the changes that have occurred over the last 40 years. When I came on the police department, there was a real attitude. The, the, in the 70s, the 60s, there was a real attitude of just, I probably should say this, of beat them, bust them, that's our custom. That was the attitude in the 60s and 70s. That attitude would not survive or exist today. There are bad apples, like I said, and they are being weeded out. Unfortunately, uh, whenever a incident occurs, it comes to the forefront and everybody focuses on those bad apples or that bad incident. And all of the good has been completely ignored or wiped out or mm -hmm. just underplayed. Um, as a member of the police department, I still am very active with the Sacramento Police Athletic League. We put on a fundraiser every year that we raise money for all of our programs that we do for youth that are uh, for the underserved kids in the community and the parents do not have to put any money out. We have the one big fundraiser a year and we canceled it because we felt that there was so much uh, discord in the community that it was not a good time to go forward with this fundraiser. So, um, and that's one of the positive things that the department does to bring the community together. It's a bingo game that they hold in March. It uh, focuses around March Madness Bingo, and we bring the community together, and we raise about $14,000 during that bingo game for youth rugby, youth mountain biking, uh, basketball, uh, f the fishing derby, for all of the programs that, we, that are done by the police department for the youth, that uh, was canceled because of all of the protests. Um, the diversity that is coming into the police department because of our new chief, uh, who is under extreme fire, um, is underplayed. Um, the efforts that he has made in the community to educate the young officers and get them out in the community before they come actually onto the streets as police officers uh, is underplayed. The things that they are doing in a positive way are underplayed because it's completely overshadowed by um, all the protests that are going on. And, oh man, I could talk forever on this whole topic because I also have incidences just like you. Uh, when I was on the police department and they did not know I was an officer. I was stopped too yeah. and, you know, pushed up against the car, wanted to know where I was going. Um, both of my sons were stopped continually. 
Um, so it's, it's a very real problem, and we have to find very real solutions for the problems that we have in the city. And continuing to create a divide is not the answer for those problems. Yeah. So I want to ask, kind of wrapping this up, um, you know, I think in this season in our city, I think that we have an opportunity, um, and I think that we don't want to miss this opportunity to grow, to understand one another, and what God is doing in our city. Because I think God works all things together for good, right? And I think the church is stepping up um, and, and showing up, and I think we could come out of this better. So looking at it biblically, looking at it practically, like what, I, I guess, what positives do you see from this? Um, and, and where can we go from here to bring positive change as a church? I know, Anthony, you're going to share something. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I just, like you said, uh, biblically, um, you know, what does this, you know, what does this mean to me? So obviously I feel like the state that we're in, as you alluded to, you know, is broken. But there's a, there's a scripture, Second um, Corinthians 13, uh, 13, 11. Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Repair whatever is broken among you. As the hearts of you are being knit together in perfect unity, live continually in peace. And God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. So that's the scripture that I'm standing on right now, believing that we're just going to be knit back together with unity and, and, and move as one as we were created. That's good. Yeah. So good. I, I think for me, um, I think one of the things that we have to do as a people of God, as a Christian, as, as a believer, is that we've got to really settle once and for all what our real citizenship is. And it's not being a U.S. citizen. It's not being a Democrat or a Republican or black, white, brown. It's I am a child of God. And that means this. It, that, and I'm going to, like, push us a little further. If we're the body of Christ, that means we are not just a group of people that call ourselves a church. That means we are the embodiment of Jesus in this world. That means that when we step onto the scene, that Jesus is stepping onto the scene. And I think this presents an opportunity. This forces us to have conversations like this that says, you know what? The division cannot be anymore. That that when Martin Luther King said, you know, that at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday is the most divided place of our nation, that we just go. And and we got to say that from this point on, we can't be like that anymore. We've got to be the embodiment embodiment of Jesus Christ. We've got to see one another beyond all of the things that separate us. The Bible also said this, it says when Jesus was talking to Peter, he said, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That means the things that separate us can't separate us any longer. That means that the division, the racial tension, all of this stuff, the police community, like I love Chief Han, we were in a community meeting together and somebody said, you know, we've got the police, we've got the community, we've got the religious sector. And Chief Han goes, no, 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 we're all community members up here. And we've got to begin to see each other on the same playing field that the cross does one thing. It says, you know, it levels the playing field. Yeah. It says we all need Jesus because we're all sinners. We all fall short. And when we can see one another like that, I could see my brother there. We, can, we may have grown up differently, but we're one. We're not, we're not separated by that stuff. Yep. And it doesn't mean that we don't see the differences or don't hear the differences. It means that we've got to play to who we are in Christ, that we're a child of God. Amen. That's good.
Final thoughts. I, Go. I, I can't beat that. I can't beat that. But but uh, but what 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 I what I what I would want to say what I do want to say is um, I think Sacramento right now is in a unique place. I think we're in a unique place where the church can come together and unite and really just pray and really fast and really just love on each other. I think if we do this here in Sacramento and in California, I'm sure it's going to be a flag all across the United States. And I sure I'm sh- I know that people are going to start seeing it. I mean, it happened in different states already. This has happened already. But if it happens here in Sacramento, I think it's going to cause a shift in the atmosphere. And I think if we do that, it's going to be something different that we're going to be able to see that. That's good. Awesome. I only have one thing to say. Love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. We are all neighbors. Love thy neighbor. I'm good, Caleb. I'm good. (laughs) I'm good with that last one. You know, like I said, I mean, just trials, tribulations, any of these hardships, they're always an opportunity for growth, whether it's your personal character or whatever it may be. But as a community, it's even more beautiful because we need each other to keep pressing forward and to keep moving and to make history. So it's a beautiful opportunity for us to come together as one. I love it. Can we stand our feet, church? We're going to just close right now. Um. But it's cold in here anyway, so can we do something that's unifying and grab hands with the person next to us? And uh, I just want to pray a prayer over us. We're going to grab hands up here as well. Just want to pray a prayer over us, a prayer of unity um, in this season. Listen, I believe that while these are hard and trying times, I believe that if the church steps up and steps into these spaces, that we're going to see God move in a way like we've never seen him move. And I believe that God is going to work in this and through this and through a tough situation um, to bring unity in our city. It feels like we're divided, but I believe God is using that. And there's this bonding that's coming together. And I think if we walk in that love, um, we stop reading all the news and listening to all the radio shows. And we start getting in our word and listening to what God is speaking and letting the Holy Spirit lead us and loving the people we come in contact with. Man, I believe we're going to see a unity come to our city, to our spaces like never before. I want to I embolden you right now too, church, uh, to, to be full of faith to have hard conversations, to walk into spaces that you thought you would never walk into because just by you being there, God's gonna open opportunities for you. And so I want you to walk into spaces that maybe you've been feeling like, I, I, I can't go in there um, because God's gonna use you in that space. So let's pray. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is gonna be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.